either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You're sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Some good stuff opening in theaters and for VOD this week. So let's check them out. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com. Let's start out with an animated adventure. Crypto the Superdog and Superman are inseparable best friends, sharing the same superpowers and fighting crime side by side in Metropolis. However, Crypto must master his own powers for a rescue mission when Superman is kidnapped. This is DC League of Super Pets. When one has an abundance of power, they have a certain duty to use that power to... Sorry, you were saying something? How much did you have to drink? I had two toilet bowls and a bidet. Bidet, too, which is, which is crazy. I didn't even know that was a thing, but it's like a dog water fountain. Hey, deploy canine shield. What is a canine? Excellent shielding. That seemed incredibly painful. Uh, anybody want to switch powers? Well, right away at the top of this one, you see the voices, the starring voices of Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart, and they're just funny together. They are funny together, and they play essentially the same characters that they play in everything, right? Uh, Dwayne Johnson <laughs> plays the superhero dog, the sort of perfect dog, and Kevin Hart plays a shelter mutt. I still think the entire uh, the highlight of that Hobbs and Shaw movie was when Kevin Hart was interrogating the two of them on that airplane. Oh, yeah. I thought no that question. was hilarious. Yeah. But I digress. Right. No, they're funny together. And the, But the truth is, they're by far not the funniest parts of this movie because Kate McKinnon plays the villain. She plays... She can steal a scene. Oh, my God. She plays the hairless guinea pig. <laughs> uh, her, her hairlessness is a result of having been not Lex Luthor's pet but one of his lab guinea pigs. But she still sees herself as his pet. And they were separated. And she needs to get back to him. And so anyway, she contrives to use two different types of kryptonite. The gray, the green kind that steals superpowers. Mm-hmm. And the orange kind that surprisingly offers superpowers, but only to animals. This is the first I'm hearing of orange kryptonite. Yes. It's very rare, apparently. (laughs) Anyway, so what happens is everything goes topsy-turvy. Superman loses his power and is easily kidnapped. His dog also loses his power. However, all of the shelter dogs, shelter animals, I should say, wind up with superpowers. And so they have to help the weakened crypto save Superman and the world. Well, this is uh, co-writer and co-director Jared Stern and uh, the other co-director Sam Levine, the other co-writer John Whittington. And they've had a a long career in animation, right? Both uh, TV and film projects? Yeah, and nothing great. Yeah. All of it fine. Yeah. Which which is is what this is. Exactly. You know, it's got, the voice cast is unbelievable because aside from the three that we've already mentioned, you have Keanu Reeves, Olivia Wilde, uh, John Krasinski, Jemaine Clement. Mark Maron plays Lex Luthor. Yeah, I mean, there's a million. Yeah, it goes on and on. There's so many people in this movie, Um, and uh, a lot of them are pretty funny. All of them are underused because, just like in a lot of DC movies, there are just too many characters. Mm -hmm. There are too many good guys. There are too many bad guys. There's too (laughs) much going on. It's very... There's a lot going on, none of it very deep. I mean, it's busy. I think it's going to keep kids entertained. Yeah, and that's the thing. We, we mentioned Keanu Reeves' voice, and he is the voice of Batman. And we should say, because this is one of the things that this morning, on the radio show that we call, 
one of the hosts, their kids wanted to know if the superheroes were in this movie, like Batman and Wonder Yeah, and the answer is yes. Yes, Batman, Wonder Woman, the Aquaman, The Flash, Green Lantern. Yeah. So they are um, I'm missing somebody, but yeah, there's yeah, if kids there's... want to know that. Yes, they are. So yep. that might help them be interested. I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's a very busy movie. It is. It yeah, just, there's no depth to it, really. And there's just too, too many characters. Yeah. So uh, it's it's going to be a fine time waster and they'll probably get a lot out of it. Probably nothing anyone's going to remember no. for very long. But it's perfectly fine. And the animation looks perfectly fine. Yeah, it's again, it's not one of those like, wow, right. but it's fine. Right. Yeah, everything is right in the middle. Get some chuckles out of it. And that is DC League of Super Pets opening everywhere in theaters now. Next up is a comedy mystery thriller. A radio host from New York City attempts to solve the murder of a girl he hooked up with. And he travels out west to investigate the circumstances of her death and discover what happened to her. This is the filmmaking debut for B.J. Novak. It's called Vengeance. I'm going to record everything that you think happened to Abilene. And we'll put it on a podcast, and we'll see where it leads. What evidence does he have that it was a murder? Nothing. And that's the story. What's this podcast about? A new American reality where people invent these conspiracies. You got deep state, pill pushers, cartels, the law. Because the truth is too hard to accept. My Prius exploded. Oh my God. What if you were driving a real car with gas and stuff? The problem isn't that these people aren't smart. The problem is that they are. How do you take your coffee? In the mouth. Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in an Uber. BJ Novak, well, to fans of The Office, he's Ryan. Yeah. I've been on there for a long time. Anybody else like us, because we didn't watch The Office, he's just a familiar face from a bunch of movies. Inglorious Bastards. He was in. Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. Um, just on and on and on. You know his face. Well, now you know him as a filmmaker. And this is a pretty impressive debut, I agree. should say. Totally agree. Yeah. And it's a weird tone to land. It is. Right? Because like you said, a comedy mystery thriller. You do not usually yeah. hear those three all together. It really starts out more comedy early mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets some good fish out of water laughs because uh, Novak also stars as Ben. And actually, I think first he's a writer, right? At The New Yorker. Yes. Not just a radio host, but he wants to be a voice, not just a writer. And he sees his chance to host a true crime podcast because, as the synopsis said, um, this girl that he had occasional hookups with turns up dead from an apparent drug overdose, and he's called down to her out west to her funeral in Texas by the family because the family of the girl was convinced that they were a longtime committed couple. Um, So (laughs) that's a surprise. So uh, Ben, uh, B.J. Novak's character, goes down there and he finds out that the family's convinced it was a murder. And her brother, uh, played by Boyd Holbrook, really playing against type. Yeah, and he's, he's very funny. He's very kooky yeah. and funny. He wants to avenge the death. And so there's the chance to launch a podcast. So uh, Ben calls back in New York to his uh, editor, played by Issa Rae. Always great to Always see. Always welcome. And they launch... She has the prettiest teeth in the world. She does. She ha- I mean, she's beautiful anyway. She is, but She yeah. really... I'm always sort Incredible. of hypnotized by her teeth. Yeah. So they launch this podcast, and then they start this diving into the case and her life and, and, and the murder, and it does. It starts out with more more comedy than it does in the in the last act, because uh, you do. Like I said, you have that fish-out-of-water stuff as he learns about uh, this eccentric... Texas family and like why they love Whataburger so much, which is very funny <laughs> and and things like that. But as it goes along, he starts, I think he does a really good job peeling back layers 
of social commentary, mm-hmm. and really that it feels like it's really in the moment. Yeah. Because it's talking about new media, uh, podcasts, of course, um, and and social media, and then uh, also uh, conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and the ideological differences between you know coastal elites and country bumpkins and all the stuff that goes into the mess that we're into today. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very smart this podcast thing. Because that's how he can organically get away from being accused of preaching. You know, because he is telling, he is saying views into a microphone, but it works because he's recording a podcast. Yeah. And they're not really his views. They're, in many ways, the views that he is skewering. Uh-huh. You know, and, and it's very smart. It is smart. But it, mu- it manages to not be smug. And I think that that might no, it's be not, his right. greatest triumph. Aside from the fact that it is an interesting kind of a mystery. It is. It it's, really is. It's a mystery caper and and. Funny, you know, amusing, but then it goes to some dark places yeah, as it goes dark. along. Yeah, it really does. And uh, as he, as Ben finds out more about uh, Abby, what's her name, his occasional hookup, about her life and her dreams of a recording stardom with this small town recording studio owner played by Ashton Kutcher. Now, he's probably better here than I've ever seen him. Agreed. It's a good part. He he really plays it understated, mm-hmm. and he's very impressive. Yes, I agree. Very impressive. And, you know, I think the writing is smart. The directing, I think Novak's directing is very unassuming. Yeah. I think some of the blocking maybe recalls his, his TV upbringing, but that's fine. I think it shows a, a real promise. But I think the writing is ahead of the directing right now. As he as he gets into these themes, and he he'll bring up stereotypes, and then he'll shoot them down, mm-hmm. and it make you think things in different ways as as the character does, and if the character learns things about, you know, how the message is that we as a people are more than the record that we are putting on new media, right? Which everybody is is con- the record that we leave, the record that we leave yeah. exactly, and we're more than the stereotypes about the country and the city. Uh, which are very relevant points these days. Or the days. red state and the blue state. Exactly, yeah. the red state and the blue state, right. It's made up of, of people right. that he gets to know, and, and they get to know him. So, yeah, I think it's smart. The only thing about it that I find, I guess, a little bit curious is the title. The title, I mean, he, he gets into vengeance and what it means. The character talks about that. The, char- the, the title, Vengeance, conjures up more of a hard-boiled thriller than this really is. Right. Also, I think, I mean, for me, it's a bad choice of title, partly because there are about 300,000 movies that are already called yeah. Vengeance, and so it makes it harder to find when you're trying to find it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but That's it picky, also though. doesn't really nail, yeah, it doesn't really nail the film, I don't think. That's picky, though. But, it, well, I really, both of us uh, agree, I think. It's a really fine filmmaking debut for B.J. Novak, and it is out uh, in theaters. Yeah, all theaters all over the place. A good one this week called Vengeance. And another good one opening in theaters this week, a crime drama with a little bit of a horror angle to it. Margaret's life is in order. She is capable, disciplined, and successful. Everything is under control. That is, until David returns, carrying with him the horrors of Margaret's past. This is called Resurrection. Go away. Are you speaking to me? Stay away from me and my kid. Okay, you are mistaking me for someone else. I know him. I know what he's capable of. I've missed you so much. The life we made was perfect. Come after me. Come after my child. I swear to God, I will kill you. Well, right at the top, this one stars Rebecca Hall. Yes, please. And she's fantastic. 
And once again, she she elevates it. This this reminded both of us of The Night House mm-hmm. from last year, I mm-hmm. think it was, or yeah. two years ago. A film, a horror film, that really could have easily collapsed into silliness, except she was so believable. And right. much the same here. Absolutely. And it's important because where this, this story goes, it, it gets increasingly weirder as the movie progresses. And if it weren't for the fact that her performance, and also Tim Roth's, honestly, are so understated and believable, you wouldn't believe the story. But it's there's not an ounce of like drama right. or, you know i mean it's 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 not overplayed in any way and so you're you 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 can't help but believe it which makes it that much more horrifying yeah and she plays rebecca hall plays a, a single mother whose whose daughter is 18 just about to turn 18, 18 and so yep. about to leave the nest yeah. and as the synopsis says rebecca hall's character is in control in fact a young intern in her office comes to her for relationship advice so everything she's got it all buttoned up until this man from her past, David, played by Tim Roth, returns and just turns her entire psyche upside down. And, you know, for me, watching, because, you know, she's she she's such a great performer. She is. And she is so incredibly good at strong, unlikable protagonists, which are my favorite type. And watching this character unravel in the way she does was tough for me to watch because mm-hmm. she does it. The performance is so really great that I just kept cringing and like hiding my face like oh god please don't please I think, don't I think that's true because you found you found it more horrific than I did yeah I found it very tough to watch yeah yeah I could tell and this is by writer and director Andrew Siemens and it leans on not just Rebecca Hall's performance but Tim Roth's mm-hmm, as well mm-hmm. um, to just make it so unsettling about what was going on in their past and what was real is what she's saying happen real sort of in a way we we both talked about how it it kind of reminded us a little bit of that recent horror movie watcher right but but not it's not as bloody as that at not all not at all but, but it, it as it, they're both stalker movies yeah and they both the the narrative really relies uh, draws the tension from that age old wonder is this really happening mm-hmm. or is she imagining it yeah. and they take it in a in a different direction here um, almost not quite supernatural, but like almost to that degree of is she crazy or is it really happening? Um, whereas the watcher was a much more a realistic notion uh, mm-hmm. uh, between the two. But um, they, I think that they it's it's there there are a lot of parallels between those two movies, uh, except this one is so much so much weirder. And this one will have a much more of a um, ambiguous ending. You can take the ending different ways. In fact, I think we took it different ways. Um, it's really if if the movie stumbles, that's where it it does. It's not going to maybe work for everyone, and I think it will certainly work for different people in different ways. But it sure is interesting. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I agree. I'm not sure. I think they stuck the ending right, mm-hmm. but because I feel like in a film like this, you have to end less ambiguously. You, mm-hmm. you the film eventually has to make a decision that I don't think this one necessarily did. Yeah, but it is. It's still very interesting and very worth it. And from a certain perspective, as you say, very horrific. Uh, but another great performance from Rebecca Hall, which is always great. This one's in theaters this weekend. Theaters now called Resurrection. Well, you say you like unlikable female protagonists. I got one for you. Comedy <laughs> drama on Hulu. It's an ambitious young woman who finds followers and fame when she poses as the survivor of a deadly attack. But she soon learns that online notoriety comes with a terrible price. This is called Not Okay. Have you ever wanted to be noticed so badly? You didn't even care what it was for. 
Danny Sanders might actually be the worst person we've ever covered on the show. Acting like she was the victim turned a lot of people off to her. I was just gonna bleach the front bits, but I'm really not trying to get mistaken for Danny Sanders. This is so f***ed up, isn't it, Kevin? White women. My name is Danny Sanders, and on April 10th, a string of terrorist attacks struck Paris. I almost died. Just kidding. Be careful what you wish for. First of all, Zoe Deutsch. She, she is such a comic talent. She's such a natural. She's just just effortless. I mean, she's been good in dramas too. Yeah. But she just steals things. She stole Zombieland too. Yeah, she, did. she did. Just you know, just larceny out <laughs> from under all those people. But this is the second feature from writer director Quinn Shepard. She did uh, back in 2017. She was uh, she was the writer. She was the director, producer, editor, and star of her first feature called Blame. Nice. Yeah, and this one has similar themes on its mind, but it's much more darkly comic and. Right in the opening, I mean, you get a you get a, a viewer discretion at the beginning, and one of the things it's warning about is an unlikable female protagonist. And I'm like, what? I said, oh, I want to sit next to you, Quinn Shepard. You've got me because just like we've talked about, how you know Taika Waititi's humor does not really yeah. my. She had me right at that. I'm yeah. like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and she's got a wonderfully wicked sense of of dark comedy about this, the social media age, and. Touches on some of the same themes that Vengeance does, mm -hmm. but in a much more of a satirical way. And it's led by this another great comedic performance, as we said, by Zoe Deutsch. She plays Danny Sanders, and who, yeah, just like the synopsis says, she comes to fame. She fakes this trip. She she tells us right. I love this too because you know how we often say how much we dislike the the uh, young adult. I want to be seen. Uh, voiceover narration. Yes. Well, it starts with that, and it starts <laughs> with her just telling us that she wants to be seen. For whatever reason, I, I love that. And then any get, reason, yeah, any it reason. doesn't matter. And but then it gets off the narration. But so it's skewering and upending that those sort of movies right away. But she fakes through Photoshop that she went to Paris for this writer's retreat because she wants to be a writer, but she works for this online magazine, and the boss has to keep reminding her she's not a writer; she's a photo editor. Stop pitching me <laughs> stories. But uh, she fakes that she's in Paris, and then oh, it happens to be at the same time Paris suffers some terrorist attacks. So. She, she doesn't know what to do with that until she finds out that everybody is concerned for her safety. And then she's just going to ride that. And she's going to ride it as a survivor. And, you know, well, you know, from the very beginning, you know, from watching the trailer, it blows up in her face. <laughs> the, just, the question is, how, how does it and what, and what becomes of it? So it's funny and it's not afraid to, to go in, in, in some places that really need to be gone uh, when we're talking about this, uh, this subject and our obsession with these likes and these follows, and for the expectations and the judgments that this generation of her young 20-somethings are dealing with right now. Like, what is expected? What am I supposed to do? And, and then once I cross the line, the judgment that comes with it, is that even fair? Is it warranted? All that is, is skewered by this movie, which I love. And at the same time, it does get into some serious aspects of it because uh, Danny ends up being a, a celebrity, I guess, online, and she uses that to become best friends with this real survivor of gun violence, Rowan, played by Mia Isaac, who's also right now in um, uh, Don't Make Me Go on Hulu. And she's very good in this, very good. 
Um, and so she's kind of the polar opposite. She's a real survivor working for real change and out there and, and real, uh, uh, say, uh, dealing with trauma. And so, of course, when it all blows up, her rage and her anger at uh, who she thought was her best friend is very palpable and very well well done by, by Mia Isaac. So it does go into some some serious issues as well. But overall, it's a satirical comedy. And, and again, much like we talked about um, Resurrection, it doesn't quite stick the landing because when you have an opening like that about a female protagonist and you, you, you set up the movie the way you do, the question that creeps into your mind is, all right, well, how's it going to resolve? Right. Is Danny going to learn something today? Mm-hmm. Or is it going to go full young adult on us? And you know how much we love that movie. Oh, my God. It doesn't, it kind of threads the needle. You know, without spoiling anything, it, it doesn't pull it off as as brilliantly as young adult did, but it doesn't cop out either. And so I, I that's the only it maybe doesn't quite stick the landing. But still, I think this is one both of these really uh, not OK and vengeance. I think decades down the line, maybe when people are looking back and what films really had a, a good grasp about the times we were living in and dealing with, I think both of these could be looked to. I mean, time will tell, but uh, they do a good job of summing up some of these issues that we're dealing with right now, and in totally different ways, Right, I think. But really enjoyable and funny, and a- another good sign that Quinn Shepard is somebody you want. Oh, and I should say, she gi- she gives herself yep. a great cameo. I was waiting. As herself, <laughs> who just ups the ante and the volume on the exasperation with this type of character that I love. So just another chef's kiss on top of that. And a, a big recommendation for uh, Zoe Deutsch, another great comedic performance in uh, Not Okay, and that is on Hulu right now. Next up is an adventure comedy romance in theaters. This is one that kind of raised my eyebrows last week when we said the title. Well, it's because we got the title just a little bit wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It makes more sense now. Uh, A school teacher crashes her married lover's family vacation and befriends a donkey named Patrick. This is called My Donkey, My Lover, and I. We managed somehow to miss the and I last time. And <laughs> Makes thought, a difference. <laughs> it is a funny title. It's a funny movie. Um, it's a very interesting film because I'm not going to say that it's an unlikable protagonist, but she, she her, her motives are certainly questionable, but it's a romance of <laughs> sorts when she and her married lover are supposed to take a vacation together and he cancels because he's going on a, a vacation with his wife and daughter. And they are, well, I love it where she said where he says something about we're all three going, and she thinks she, he means her. Yeah, like oh no, not you. No. You're not coming. <laughs> so she just shows up, and uh, it is it is it follows Robert Louis Stevenson. Yeah, Donkey Trek. I didn't. I had no idea that it was a Robert Louis Stevenson work. Yeah, uh, and so she tries to cat crash, and she winds up missing him by a day, but fate intervenes and they do run into each other and and it's you know it's mainly a credit to the lead laura kalami who won the caesar the it's the uh, french oscar Mm -hmm. for her performance in this she creates such a very open just earnest romantic performance that it's hard to sort of judge her and and it's it's interesting because a lot of the characters around her are very pro-romance regardless of the fact that this man and his wife and child are on vacation and she's <laughs> crashed it. 
So it's an interesting perspective. And even when they do crash it, the film never treats her like a stalker and never really treats him like a villain and certainly never treats the wife like a villain. And that's it's a very forgiving film, which mm-hmm. makes it much easier to watch. The thing that is a surprise is that for a very long time, I mean, it's it's easy enough to make a braying ass, uh, uh, you know, comic <laughs> foil. Sure. And they sort of understate that until they don't. And at that point... It's like the donkey Patrick doesn't realize this isn't like a laugh out loud kind of a comedy because it just is. It's just that when he starts braying, it's our, you, you've already been around him for 45 minutes. Like, where did this come from? It's a surprisingly fun, very slight, but interesting, fun film. And the director is Caroline Vignal, and she also adapts the uh, Stevenson work. So, yeah, just uh, you're right. A braying donkey is funny. Yeah. It's a funny but somehow romantic and forgiving movie, and that is out in theaters now, and it's called My Donkey. My Don't show up at the theater asking to see My Donkey and My Lover. No. You need to put the and I <laughs> on the back so you won't be arrested. Uh, and, <laughs> and that's in theaters now. Next up is a comedy horror mystery. I like these. Theme this week. After a governor issues an executive order to arrest the children of undocumented immigrants, The newly detained youth are offered an opportunity to have their charges dropped by volunteering to provide care to the elderly. This is called American Carnage. The DA is offering to drop charges if you volunteer to help care for senior citizens. If you stick to the program, your time here should be pretty fast and easy. You will die here. Sorry? You really got away with the ladies. Getting out of here. What are you talking about? You trying to escape? It was an accident. Oh! I promise you, you stick with the program, you're gonna leave this place more mature. You may even gain a newfound appreciation for life. So this is from co-writer-director Diego, would be Hayivas? Hayivas. Um, per- forgive me if I have mispronounced that. And it co-stars Jenna Ortega. Yes. Who we love to see in everything. Yep. You know, we loved her in X. We loved her in Scream. She's super fun, and she plays sort of the badass in this one. She even refers to herself um, as an a-hole at one point, and uh, she is one of the children of undocumented immigrants who has been sentenced along with a group of others and they have to go to this facility a very specific facility to care for the elderly uh and it's an interesting movie it opens it's got a sort of comical feel that seems like uh the forever purge right i mean it's very trumpy and in fact the the the, the term american carnage comes from his inaugural speech Mm -hmm. but then once they get into the institution it definitely changes its tone completely, and it becomes almost like a horror version of something John Hughes might have come up with, right? Like these these teens all kind of getting together and doing hijinksy things. And it and it's very likable in that way. And then in the concluding sort of half hour of it, it's it's got a very sort of George Romero feel mm-hmm. about it. So and I think the biggest issue that the film has is that they it, the tonal shift doesn't work. I mean, it, you feel it. It yeah. feels like whiplashy. And it is, it's a tough thing to really master if you're going to go that many different tones in one film. It's really likable. However, it has some interesting things to say, but mainly the performances are really great, especially Alan Maldonado. He's incredibly fun, and it's and it's interesting because he's he's definitely sort of the, 
the comic foil in the film, and his lines aren't actually funny. That's what I kept thinking. I'm like, he nails not funny lines in a very funny way. He's incredibly <laughs> likable, and he keeps the, the mood light. It's a weird film, and I, I recommend it. I don't highly recommend it, but mm-hmm. it's definitely worth your time. Also in the cast, uh, Jorge Lindenborg Jr. He was in Love, Simon a few years ago. That was so good. He's the lead. He's the main, st- main and a, character. JP, yeah. And a couple of guys, you'll know their faces, uh, Brett Cullen and Eric Dane. Eric Dane, I think, is was he McSteamy? Was he McSteamy or McDreamy? Might, no, I think he was McSteamy. We never saw that show, but I think he what was. What show the, was that? ER? Nope. No. Grey's Anatomy? Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. He was the hotter of the two. <laughs> so I think Dreamy he, and Steamy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think he was McSteamy. Okay, but you'll see some familiar faces there. And yeah, so uh, kind of a, a lukewarm recommendation, I yeah. guess, right, for American Carnage. And that is out on VOD right now. <laughs> and next up is a very unique sci-fi musical, an intersex African hacker a coltan miner, and the virtual marvel born as a result of their union all come together in Neptune Frost. One justice agony. One little black girl agony. He's on I'm not alone. Tell him I need somebody. This is a Rwandan film. Afro-futuristic uh, musical, and definitely not like anything you've ever seen. Right. Um, it has a lot to say. It says it in the most fascinating ways about, really, um, I suppose, the current history of Rwanda, uh, contemporary history, but also the the continent of Africa's place in consumerism and technology, and really, I suppose, global history, honestly, which is a lot. It's a lot to take on in it one is. film. Um, and it's fascinating the way the movie works all of these themes together because, you know, uh, fantasy films get away with doing things like that. They can really take a big bite out of what they're trying to say. So much of this is told through through color and things like um, costumes, which is a weird thing to say, but, I mean, so much of this film is explained via sort of the themes, via the, the, the way technology and... Uh, sort of retro f- style technology is fitted into the costumes that the characters wear. Mm-hmm. The, the the pops of color are stunning, and the performances are amazing. We should mention the co-director and writer is Saul Williams, and then the other co-director is Anisha Yuzeman. I hope I pronounced that right. So, yeah, just, if you know, if you, well, this is one of the ones where if you want to say people who complain there's nothing original out there anymore. Well, here's one. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Absolutely. It's just an amazing piece of filmmaking that I highly recommend. You can find it in select theaters, but you can also find it streaming. So you should look this one up. Right, definitely. And that is called Neptune Frost. And we'll wrap up with a thriller out on VOD. A rideshare driver finds herself in unexpected danger after picking up a mysterious passenger who is not what he appears to be. And you might find this under two titles, either Fox Hunt Drive or In Danger. You enjoy your job? This isn't really my job. I'm an architect. Just had setbacks. Are you Neil? That's not you. We could get moving. Yeah, I have it. It'll be inside a black bag. She is, but she'll be gone by the time we get there. It would be possible to pull over. We're almost there. I'm afraid I'm going to have to insist. Mr. Driver, what are you really about? Let me ask you something. 
been the worst night of your life. Brandon Thomas reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com. Liked it a lot. Yeah, and it's I can't... It's one of those movies that does a lot with very little. A lot with a little, and I can't figure out... According to this, the, the title right now has been changed to Fox Hunt Drive. Yep. Uh, but it's still the poster still says endangered. So, so. does the trailer. So yeah, it's very so it makes it tough. So because if you either... if, if you look it up under endangered, you're probably not going to find it. Partly because, like Vengeance, there are three hundred thousand movies right. called Endangered, right. and this is a very small one, and it's new. If you look it up under Fox Hunt Drive, it pops right yeah. up. So there it is. Whatever. Uh, yeah, you're right. Brandon Thomas has the review for us, and he did like it. I think it betrays its budget maybe a little bit, but that's okay. It still comes down to how well are you telling the story. And the chemistry between the two leads and the surprises that are in store for you. Right. So, uh, and he won't, Brandon won't spoil anything. Check out his uh, full review (laughs) up now at madwolf.com, but he gives it a recommendation for Fox Hunt Drive, a.k.a. Endangered. All right, let's head off and see what's shaking in the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Hey, let's get hip to the latest studio news from Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer. What are you hearing this week? Well, first up, uh, Ty West's ex-prequel Pearl will arrive in theaters on September 16th. Really excited about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then IFC is debuting their thriller God's Country in theaters also on September 16th. And on October 20th, Shudder will premiere VHS 99, which is the latest installment in the VHS franchise. Okay. Cranked that one out pretty fast. Yeah, they did. They did. 94 was just last year, right? Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Neil Marshall's new action horror film, The Lair, will arrive in VOD and limited theatrical release on October 28th. And Disney has set a December 9th theatrical release for Sam Mendes' new film, Empire of Light. Oh, wow. Uh, Paramount's giving James Cameron's Titanic a wide theatrical re-release next year on February 10th for its 25th anniversary. 25 years since Titanic. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) And MGM has postponed the release of Creed III. It was originally going to open on November 23rd this year, but it's now arriving on March 3rd next year. Star Michael B. Jordan actually directed this one himself this time, okay. and it'll also be the first entry in the Rocky series that doesn't have Stallone in it. Not coming back for this one. It's just an Adonis Creed movie. Well, I thought the last one was a perfect way for him to go out. Me too. I agree, and uh, I, I think it's I think it's important for that series if it's going to keep going for them to fully focus on the lead and yep. not just focus on Rocky. Yep. I think. Uh, Jonathan Majors is the villain this time. Oh, okay. (laughs) And they also just announced, uh, in addition to that, a a Drago spinoff this week. I saw that, and I knew that you would be excited. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I thought they did a really good job um, integrating those characters in the the last Creed movie, so it would be interesting to see what they do with them on their own. Yeah, so I wonder, is the Jonathan Majors character, is he going to be a descendant of Clubber Lang? (laughs) <laughs> Maybe. I don't I mean, know. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm not joking. Yeah. I mean, the way it's been going, that that could happen. Well, they're keeping the Rocky uh, oddball naming tradition going. I think Jonathan Major's character's name is Anderson Dame. So, <laughs> interesting one. Uh, getting a little horror nerdy for a moment, the late Stuart Gordon had spent a couple decades trying to get a few films made that just never managed to come together, and one of them finally has. 
uh, Mayhem and Everly director Joe Lynch has stepped in and finally made Gordon's long-languishing adaptation of Lovecraft's The Thing on the Doorstep. It'll star Heather Graham, Judah Lewis, Jonathan Shaysh, Bruce Davison, and, of course, Barbara Crampton. Nice. So that'll be coming out next year. Yay. And then, of course, Comic-Con was last weekend. So Marvel has laid out their huge slate for the next couple of years. Twenty. I'm not, I'm not going to drop down specific release dates because they're probably going to move around anyway. But um, next year we'll offer up uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, The Marvels, which is Captain Marvel 2, and Blade with Mahershala Ali Woo! taking over the role. Now, was, was, was Paul Rudd behind that uh, trailer release for uh, Ant-Man where it actually turned out to be Mac and Me, or was that just somebody's joke that I... <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was somebody's joke, but I'm sure he appreciated that, it. Uh, it was great. Like, well done. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's probably jealous that he didn't come up with it himself. <laughs> uh, 2024 is going to give us Captain America New World Order with um, Anthony Mackie taking over the titular role. Um, a movie called Thunderbolts, which is a team comprised of reformed supervillains. And then a new Fantastic Four movie that will hopefully be better than the last few Fantastic Four yes. movies. Yes. Fingers crossed. Woo. And then finally in 2025, they're going to dish out another four films, but they've only announced the titles for two of them. And those are Avengers The Kang Dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars. So instead of having two big event films released a year apart, like the last two, they're only going to be six months apart because one drops in May and one drops in November that year. Mm-hmm. They didn't dish out dates for Shang-Chi 2, Deadpool 3, or another Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, but those will probably be plugged in there somewhere along I imagine. the way. All right, man. We appreciate it as always. You can catch up with Daniel online on Twitter at the Schlocketeer. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. Looking ahead to next week, oh, we've got some some big ones at the top. Bullet Train finally comes out. I think... I see an ad for Bullet Train every time I flip the TV on. Uh, so it's finally out next week. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Looking forward to that. Yeah. That's from 824. Also, Ron Howard's 13 Lives comes out next week. Pray. Excited about that one. Yeah, that stars the girl that we just saw in uh, the, the Wheel. Wheel that we reviewed last week. Yeah, looking forward to that. A movie called Luck. What Josiah Saw. I Love My Dad. Here's a big one for us. Hallelujah. Leonard Cohen, A Journey, A Song. Mm, yeah, looking forward to that. Also one called Sharp Stick, a.k.a. Poke in the Eye. No, <laughs> no. I just added that second part. <laughs> and Allie and Ava. <laughs> well, no, we'd love to say that. Look for it under two titles, either Sharp Stick or Poke in the Eye. All it's right. a new one from Lena Dunham. Oh, okay. All right, so we'll see about that. So that's all next week. But in the meantime, what do you think about Super Pets or Vengeance or Resurrection or Not Okay? Anything this week. We always love to keep the conversation going. Easy to find us on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf. Also, Facebook and Instagram. That is Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our horror movie only podcast called Fright Club. That's all right there at madwolf.com. Oh, and by the way, just a couple days left. If you are so moved to vote for the screening room, uh, we are up for a Columbus Podcast Award. That would be Columbus, Ohio, and we are nominated in the TV and movie category. Don't have to vote for all the categories. If you just want to head over there to uh, columbuspodcastawards.com and vote for us, we would love you for it. So thanks for stopping by. Keep in touch if you can, and we will talk again next week. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.
Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>